BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Election 2020, whether we like it or not, whether the President of the United States, the White House likes it or not, is the COVID-19 election. Stand by. The doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in. So sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Ledger Report. And in San Diego, one anchor man was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. I'm a primary care physician in Houston, Texas. You know, um, I actually uh, went to medical school in West Africa, Nigeria, where I took care of malaria patients, treated them with hydroxychloroquine and stuff like that. So I'm actually used to these medications. I'm here because I have personally treated over 350 patients with COVID. Patients that have diabetes, patients that have high blood pressure, patients that have um, asthma, old people. I think my oldest patient is 92, 87 year olds. And the result has been the same. I put them on hydroxychloroquine, I put them on zinc, I put them on Zitromax, and they are all well. For the past few months, I've taken care of over 350 patients. We've not lost one. Not a diabetic, not a somebody with high blood pressure, not somebody with asthma, not an old person. We've not lost one patient. And on top of that, I've put myself my staff and many doctors that I know on hydroxychloroquine for prevention because by the very mechanism of action, it works early and as a prophylaxis. We see patients, 10 to 15 COVID patients every day. We give them breathing treatments. We only wear surgical masks. None of us has gotten sick. It works. So right now, I, I came here to Washington DC to say, America, nobody needs to die. Nobody needs to die. You hear that? Nobody needs to die from the Wuhan coronavirus, this from a doctor who is very familiar with hydroxychloroquine after treating patients in Africa. The evidence is overwhelming that hydroxychloroquine, I talked to doctor after doctor after doctor on this one, and scientists too, but let's stick with the doctors because they are the ones who are treating these patients. And to a person, including my own physician, Hydroxychloroquine is a method of treating the Wuhan coronavirus. They use it in some sort of cocktail uh, where they, they use zinc. I take zinc every day along with vitamin C. I'm, I'm one of these uh, supplement freaks, if you will. Um, I'm kind of cut off from the gym right now, being a gym freak and a gym rat, but I'm continuing to try and work out, and I continue to try and take my vitamin cocktail, if you will, and I include in the regimen vitamin C, of course, and I believe that you can take mega doses of vitamin C 
um, as a preventative, as a prophylactic, and I believe that you take zinc as a, as a preventative and a prophylactic as well. I take vitamin D, uh, among other vitamins that I've done research on that actually do do some good in a preventative way. I also keep the wellness formula on reserve when I come back from a party, if we're allowed to ever have a party again, and I take that thing. But the bottom line is this. Here's a doctor who, like my personal physician, like the dozens and dozens of doctors that I have talked to, says, hey, not only am I treating patients with hydroxychloroquine and zinc and the Z-Pak, but I'm taking it myself. And my doctor did the same thing, took it prophylactically. And I don't know if he's still taking it today. I don't know if any of these other doctors are still taking it today, but this doctor from Nigeria, Stella Emanuel, who now is being trashed, by the way. And this is so predictable. Daily Beast comes out and says, uh, look at this doctor. Um, she is now uh, Donald Trump's favorite doctor because she is in favor of hydroxychloroquine. Well, it doesn't make her Donald Trump's favorite doctor. It's just another in a long and growing list of doctors who have come out and said, hey, why is there a controversy about this? Well, we know the reason. We know the reason why there's a controversy about hydroxychloroquine and the mainstream media questioning it and some of these doctors questioning it because they all have the same and, and throw in, of course, the Democrat leadership and, and certain governors of certain states like Newsom and Cuomo and Pritzker and Wolf and Murphy and that wacko nut job in Michigan. They all have the same agenda. They want to see people die. They want to see Americans die from the Wuhan coronavirus so they can blame it on Donald Trump. So here's another doctor from West Africa who has come to the United States. I don't know what she was doing before this, but now she's treating patients in Houston. Here's what's not being reported about Houston. Here's what's not being reported about South Arizona. Here's what's not being reported about Southwest California. They all have something in common. It's called Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. I'm Graham Ledger, and this is the Ledger Report. So, so what is it about Mexico that's spiking the numbers in those areas? Remember, it's Houston, there's a spike going on. In Imperial County, California, a spike going on. In certain southern sections of Arizona, there's a spike going on. Well, we know what's going on. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. And that is, this is the harvest season. And people come up from Mexico, either legally or illegally, and they travel with them when they pack their bags of their clothing and their toothbrushes and whatever else they're bringing with them, their hats. They pack with them the Wuhan coronavirus. Remember, Mexico has been on the other side of the slope of this thing. The United States kind of was in the early part of the wave and Mexico was, was behind and, and now it's, it's catching up. This is a virus. This is what viruses do. They spread. And so... This doctor is down in one of the, quote, hotbeds of Houston. And she's, she's treating all these people from Mexico. This is a, the, the part of the equation and the part of the reporting that is absolutely ignored. And, and because of HIPAA, you know, we can't go there, right? Well, baloney. We can go there. 
We could take our own little census. It's the census season right now. And by the way, if you live in California and you're a conservative and you care about the Constitution and you care about this republic, if I were you, I would throw that census in the trash and try and mitigate the representation, the overrepresentation, the overbearing problems that California brings to the rest of the country if, if you drive down the aggregated population vis-a-vis -vis the census, then maybe, just maybe, you can do some good. Think about it. Just think about it. If you, get, if you live in California and you care about the future of this republic, trash the census. Why not? Ignore the census. What's going to happen? Benjamin Franklin going to come get you? So Houston is a lot like South Arizona, is a lot like Imperial County, California, not so much San Diego, California. That's the southern tip of California. You have a large county. It's called San Diego. And then next to it, to the east, you have another large county. It's called Imperial. That, that makes up the entire southern border of California to Mexico. But San Diego is an extremely secure border region. It's a double-layer fencing. It originally was built in 1994 by the Clinton administration, believe it or not. Janet Reno, and it was called Operation Gatekeeper, and they put up this double-layer fence. It only went about 10 miles from the Pacific Ocean out east toward the TJ uh, airport, about 10 miles. That sector, though, at the time, in the mid, early and mid-90s, was one of the, maybe the most hotbed of illegal immigration. They used to do these bonsai runs. You can Google this, or you can uh, look on YouTube, Put in their bonsai runs, 1990s. And, and what the illegal immigrants would do, they figure, is just overwhelm the system. And they would take maybe about you know, a few dozen, maybe a couple hundred people, and they would literally run, attempt to run through the lanes of traffic at the border from Mexico into San Diego County. And they figured that, you know, X amount would get through. X amount would be caught and you know, turned around and they could try it again the next day. That's effectively the way the system worked. And then X amount would get through. They put up this double layer fencing and they, they secured much, much better uh, the lanes of traffic now. And so the number of apprehensions in that border region in San Diego County in the 1990s was in the hundreds. They measured it in the hundreds of thousands. It was around a half a million or so every year. They put that double layer fencing up and it dropped to a couple three thousand. So please tell me that walls and fencing don't work. So San Diego County is pretty secure. Uh, it does get a lot of traffic every day as people uh, cross the border, uh, mostly Mexicans coming to work in the United States. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons why these people who are calling for a shutdown of the border, it would kill commerce, not just California, but it would kill commerce overall. And you don't want to do that. You absolutely do not want to ruin people's lives by shutting down the border. There's no reason to shut down the border. What we need to do is secure the border. And that's what President Trump is trying to do. But the bottom line is Imperial County is not as secure. And also there are a lot more ag workers going on in Imperial County. Imperial County grows um, sugar, beets. It grows the Imperial County sweet onion, among other things. Huge ag alfalfa, huge ag region. And then as you kind of go up the gut of, of California um, and you look at the San Joaquin Valley 
and you look at you know Stockton area, you're talking Fresno, you're talking um, Bakersfield. There's a certain county in California, I think it's called King County. There's a lot of COVID cases there, coincidentally. So what what do all these regions have in common in, in California? Well, they have this crazy thing called migrant workers, if you want to call them that. I, I don't know whether they're legal or illegal. I just know that they are, are coming from Mexico and they're picking the cherries. And they're 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 uh, they're they're grabbing the uh, the onions. They're pulling down the apricots from the. Remember, this is still California is still the bread breadbasket of the United States, and so there's all this harvesting going on and all these packing plants. And so you look at the numbers in these counties in the in the Central Valley of California. If you start in Imperial County, you kind of work your way up to Riverside. And then up the Central Valley, where all the harvesting is going on, all the packing's going on, the numbers of cases is are spiking. <laughs> and so, why do you suppose that's happening? Why do you suppose it's happening in Yuma, Arizona, and along the border region of Arizona? There's spiking cases. The hospitals are being flooded. And then we go back down into Texas and Houston. It just happens to be a, a kind of a border region. Of, uh, of Texas with Mexico and this doctor is down there and she is saying hey I'm treating my patients with hydroxychloroquine and guess what it's working we're giving them the hydroxychloroquine and we're giving them the, the Z-Pack and we're giving them some zinc and you heard what she said not a single death and the mainstream media does not want to hear from this woman that piece of audio, that piece of video, audio video, has been scrubbed in social media. Facebook, Google took it down. It was part of a news conference with these several doctors standing out there saying, hey, people don't have to die. The Wuhan coronavirus is a virus. It's not unlike the flu. We can deal with this thing. Do we have to shut down the economy? No. Do we have to keep people from being in restaurants? No. Do we have to force people to walk around wearing a mask? No. Can we deal with this as an intelligent society, a modern society, like we deal with the flu every season? Yes. That's effectively what they come out and say. This news conference that has now been banned on Facebook and Google. And apparently YouTube as well. So this is a bootleg tape you just heard there, ladies and gentlemen. A bootleg tape of a doctor who is originally from Africa who comes out and says, hey, hydroxychloroquine works. Stella Emanuel, that's her name. Stella, and her last name is spelled I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. If you want more information, I suggest you Google it. One of the first articles that will come up, of course, is from the Daily Beast, which... Uh, is just trashing this doctor. It's unbelievable the way the media work because it has anything to do with Donald Trump. Anything that the President of the United States happens to like and support, they're going to trash. Here's the headline in the Daily Beast. Trump's new favorite COVID doctor believes in alien DNA, demon sperm, and hydroxychloroquine. (laughs) The uh, subhead, the President is pushing the coronavirus theories of a Houston doctor who also says... Sexual visitations by demons and alien DNA 
are at the root of Americans' common health concerns. Well, you know what? She might be right. <laughs> Let's give the benefit of the doubt to the Daily Beast, which I would rarely do, but let's say they're correct. Maybe she's right. There's something going on in the United States right now that's not good, and I truly believe it's dynamic. It is based on something that's non-constitutional. That's for sure. So maybe she's on. What's happening in Portland right now? Is that constitutional? Is that not the work of the devil? Uh, I don't know about aliens. They certainly look like aliens, the way they're acting and the way they're dressing. So maybe Dr. Stella Emanuel's onto something. I don't know. But I do believe she's onto something with hydroxychloroquine because the evidence is overwhelming. Yet we have the mainstream media out there saying, no, no, don't do it. Hydroxychloroquine. They're pushing remdesivir. And why? Well, Dr. Fauci is pushing remdesivir. And Fauci has been very wishy-washy like he has been on schools, on opening schools with hydroxychloroquine. Why? Why is Fauci so wishy-washy on hydroxychloroquine when the evidence is overwhelming? How much you want to bet he's a hydroxychloroquine closet taker? How much you want to bet that, that Fauci is a complete and total hypocrite when it comes to hydroxychloroquine? I bet you he is. I bet you he's taking it prophylactically, but he's got some sort of deal on the side uh, through Bill Gates and remdesivir and, and the development and the push of that drug. Who knows? I don't know. Remdesivir might be a solution to this. But there, we're headed, if you kind of step back and you look at the overall direction of where things are headed with the Wuhan coronavirus in terms of you know these trials now, these clinical trials, are, they're actually giving them to Americans for some sort of vaccine for the Wuhan coronavirus. And then you look at the treatments, there is a light at the end of the tunnel here. It's just that these governors are not allowing their people, these governors of blue states, are not allowing their people to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Nobody should die from this. The doctor is correct. Are you listening, Andrew Cuomo? Nobody should have died at the rate that transpired in the Empire State, except if you had a governor that was forcing people with the Wuhan coronavirus into nursing homes. Now, step back for a minute. When this thing first broke in America, remember it was a nursing home or two or three, I can't remember, in the Seattle region, in Washington State, that was hit hard. So we knew from the very beginning the very start of this thing, that the Wuhan coronavirus is a very opportunistic kind of bug. And it's out there looking for the, the weak and the vulnerable in our society. And the weak and the vulnerable are often in nursing homes. And so fast forward a few months later, we know that if you are elderly and you are sickly, in other words, you have a comorbidity, of, uh, say, high, high high blood pressure or some kind of uh, pulmonary, some sort of heart condition, that you are particularly susceptible. And add in there the nursing home, the confines of the nursing home. What, what makes the nursing home, why does that compound the Wuhan coronavirus? Well, we know now. We, we, we knew back in April, I remember reporting this, that the virus is 
the number that sticks in my head is 18 times more transmissible indoors versus outdoors. So here you have the governor, the genius governor of California, the guy at the vanguard of this entire episode, right? He demands that in March, everybody stay inside. If you don't have to go anywhere, you're supposed to lock yourself down inside with your family members. Well, it was exactly the opposite thing to do, but we knew that. Some of us knew that. Some of us were speaking up at that time saying, this is crazy. For me, I was looking at it from more of a constitutional perspective, but as the evidence began coming in about the Wuhan coronavirus, it became very, very clear that this was the opposite thing to do in terms of transmission among people. And it only makes sense. You're in a confined area, right? You're going to be more likely in a boxed room to spread a virus as it bounces off the walls or sticks on a desk or whatever, whatever, gets transmitted person to person than when you are outside. And so now this Marxist in California is saying, okay, well, restaurants, you got to close down because they're indoors. All these activities, you got to close down because they're indoors, like gyms. More on that in a minute. But it's okay to, to sit outside and, and eat and, and have a drink. The problem is it's August, right? It's late July, early August. And in many regions, believe it or not, California and, of course, the rest of the nation, it's very hot out. And some places it's humid. But some places in California, it's 120 degrees. So you want to sit outside <laughs> and you want to enjoy a meal? You want to enjoy a meal in 120? I'm not talking Death Valley. I'm talking like Palm Springs. I'm talking like the San Joaquin Valley. I'm talking Stockton, Sacramento, Bakersfield. It can be 100, 110, 120. Yeah, go ahead and enjoy your meal outside. Those misters will really help. <laughs> It's amazing that the people of California and the people of New York are putting up with this crap. But they are. They're a bunch of lemmings. Is there any movement whatsoever in New York to recall Andrew Cuomo to bump him out of office? There is in California. It's not going to get any traction because there are too many lemmings. 33 million, 35 million people in California, the majority of whom who vote, who are legal, are not going to remove this guy. It's unfortunate, but that is the dynamic in California, and apparently that's the dynamic in New York, Michigan, Illinois, New Jersey. New Jersey, there is some pushback. There is some pushback. But when you look at just the global numbers, this is the weakest pandemic in the history of pandemics. 16 million cases. Now, there's probably no way to accurately measure the actual number of cases and deaths. But this is what Johns Hopkins has, 16 million around the country, around the world. That's a world, global figure. 4 million in the U.S., 16 million around the globe. 654,000 to date deaths. 654,000 to date globally dead. Now, when we're talking the, the history of pandemics and epidemics, 654,000. Do you know how many people die globally every day? 
Do you know? 150,000. 150,000 people die every day globally. And we're talking 654,000. During the Black Plague, which spanned in the, in the Dark Ages there, what, about two, two to five, hard to calculate exactly, a number, a couple of three years, shall we say, 20 million dead. 20 million dead from the Black Plague. But there's an interesting fact that I ran into, and I've been tracking this off and on. If the Wuhan coronavirus is such a death threat to this country, why isn't the total number of deaths in the United States spiking? It's not. It bumped up a little bit in April of this year, but overall, you look at the overall trend, it's not spiking. It's not spiking. The overall deaths in this country is not spiking. If the Wuhan coronavirus was such a death threat, then the overall aggregate number of cases should be way higher than it was compared to 2019, right? There should be a higher aggregate total number of deaths. There isn't. There is not. And if you dig around on the CDC website, I was poking around a couple months ago on that. It's fascinating. The CDC started keeping track of Wuhan coronavirus cases and deaths in February. And if you look at the side-by-side tracking of COVID-19 and the seasonal flu, around March and April, the number of seasonal flu cases dropped virtually to zero on the CDC website. You can go look for yourself. The CDC website, the number of flu cases dropping to virtual zero and, of course, the Wuhan coronavirus case is starting to spike. So, so how, how, how do we explain that? How do we explain that right in the middle of flu season, now February and March is smack in the middle of flu season. It's, it's not waning then. It's, it's dead center. How is it that flu cases and flu deaths go to almost nil, yet the Wuhan coronavirus cases start spiking? Could it be that people who were susceptible to the flu were also susceptible to the Wuhan coronavirus and instead of catching the flu, they caught the Wuhan coronavirus and that these people who have died from the flu, from the Wuhan coronavirus might have also died from the seasonal flu. Again, the numbers are out there. I'm looking at one website Lately, it's called healthcostinstitute.org. Healthcostinstitute.org. It aggregates the counts of deaths per day. You can look at it. The one line is the Wuhan coronavirus deaths uh, in in 2020. It's aggregated deaths in 2020. Slight spike in April of 2020 compared to the average from 2014 to 2019. It's, it's right on the same line on January, February. Actually drops in March, believe it or not. Spikes a little bit in April. May comes down, and, and June, it's, it's back to the tangent of the average number of deaths, 2019 to 2000, 2014 to 2019. So in other words, the aggregate number of deaths in this country is not spiking. 
And it should be if the Wuhan coronavirus is such a death sentence and death threat for the people of the United States. And so the global numbers don't support this. And then the mask, the mask issue. Here's an article out of uh, MSN.com. Rage unmasked, colon, how a piece of cloth has America going mad. (laughs) Well, uh, there definitely is a debate. And if you go to certain areas of this country, you see more people certainly wearing masks than others. And it's nice to see places like Walmart and Home Depot kind of issuing a a corporate edict now that they're not going to enforce this mask nonsense if people want to go in their store without a mask. It's it's nice. And and I hope it trickles down to their people that, you know what, uh, I'm not going to get you sick. By the way, there's plexiglass all over the place. I don't know how long this nonsense is going to last, but I don't like it. You're trying to talk to somebody, right, through plexiglass, six feet apart. They're, they're six feet apart, whether you try and be sick. And, you know, you're putting your card in the uh, in the payment slot there, which is now has this, like, cellophane covering on it that makes it harder to punch in your numbers. And you're, you're trying to talk to the person six feet apart, plexiglass, and they have a mask on. What was that? Ma'am, I can't hear you i you know and i'm sure you got a pretty face and a pretty smile but that mask is inhibiting <laughs> it's just, i don't this is the way it is is this normal is this the new normal now i gotta go to the grocery store and hear uh, i pray to god not because i want to check out i'm checking out of this society if this is the new normal so here's the rage against the mask well, in, in my world, after all the research that I have done, there are, are four logical re- And I had a, a Facebook debate with a good friend of mine who is a very smart person, fought in Vietnam, and I, I, I highly respect this person, but he's just dead wrong when he posts something. And I rarely get involved on Facebook or on any social media with these debates, but I just had to weigh in on this one. He says, why is there any... Why is there any debate at all about wearing a mask? Well, um, I, I gave him four pretty good reasons why there is debate. And, and the first reason is on the CDC website, I've quoted this multiple times, is a study in 2018, well before the Wuhan coronavirus, that came out and their conclusion was very simple after a lot of research that a mask does nothing to mitigate the spread of a virus. In fact, it may do more harm than good. So reason number one is why not to wear a mask? Because it does nothing. It's symbolic. It's like, oh, well, you know, I feel like I'm doing something about this, so I'm going to wear a mask. You know, it's like the people who wear a pin. Uh, uh, or, or, or something, something on their lapel that they're, they're more s- something than you are, right? I wear a, a flag pin once in a while on my lapel, on my suits, but I don't even like wearing that because I, I don't want to give somebody the impression that I feel like I'm more American than somebody else. I just care about this country, so I wear one once in a while. This is what a mask is. 
makes it feel like you're doing something when you're not. The 2018 study proves it. But number two is it, it could do more harm than good. And this is just common sense. But, but it also, if they really research this one, um, and they don't want to, they don't want to research this one, they will find out that what I'm saying is true. And that is a mask probably in most instances, especially wearing all day, does more harm than good. What would your grandmother say? This is the grandmother test, right? What would your grandmother say if you told her that you're going to wear a mask all day, all day long at work or all day long shopping or all day long driving in your car, those people driving in their car all by themselves with a mask on? (laughs) What would your grandmother say? I know what my grandmother would say, you know, once removed from Italy. She would hit me upside the head, probably with a wooden spoon, and say, Stupido, testadura. Testadura is Italian for hard head. Stupido is what it sounds like. It doesn't pass the grandmother test. You're breathing in, your own, you're restricting the exhaling of your own CO2. That's not good for you. And there is evidence that people are getting sick and they're passing out. These young people you see at grocery stores wearing these masks all day long at the checkout, I just, I've stopped trying to talk to them about it because I don't think they want to know. And I, I originally told them, hey, you need to talk to your union shop steward about this because this mask is killing you wearing it all day long. Again, it's a common sense thing. You have all these germs that you're emitting through the mask, right? So I'm not just talking saliva and, and, and mucus and all those wonderful things, but it, it, it's happening. It's, it's porous, but not porous enough. So the mask actually becomes like a sponge for all these germs and disgusting things that are on the inside of the mask and the outside of the mask. And so these scientists call... These masks now, if you wear them from X amount of time, and it's not very long, by the way. I'm talking minutes, and if you're wearing them hours, forget about it. They're calling them loaded. Loaded with germs. And what do you see people do at grocery stores and wherever? They, they touch the mask with their hands, right? They adjust their, their mask. You, do, you see it all the time. Adjust the nose, touch the mouth, pull it down, yank it up, down, sideways, hang it on the ear like Joe Biden. Well, as you're touching it, you're also germifying it, right? You're making it even worse. So you have a loaded mask, loaded with germs. And then what do people do? Oh, they take it off for a break and they stick it on the table. (laughs) This is insanity. Anybody with a brain, anybody with a doctor, anybody who's a doctor, anybody who's a scientist, doesn't take a PhD to figure out that once you have a mask on for any limited amount of time, let alone all day long, that thing is disgusting and should be bagged and thrown away, you know, in one of those hazardous waste material repositories. So that's reason number two. But reason number three is the most important to me, and that is let, and I wrote this to my friend on Facebook, let no man abridge your free speech, my free speech, and a mask abridges it. Now, that's not to say that if Costco has a mask mandate and I need to go buy some frozen shrimp in Costco, it's the only place I can get it, that I'm not going to don a mask for a few minutes and then get the hell out of there and take it off right away. These mask mandates when I go get the gas at the Costco, 
that says you have to wear a mask when you're pumping gas? What what genius came up with that one? And that, in a way, I, guess, I suppose it protects you from some gas fumes or exhaust fumes. <laughs> but come on, you're out in the open. You're six feet apart from people. And by the way, the six foot rule is nonsense. I'm not going to get into it right now. But that's an arbitrary, nonsensical. There's evidence that the Wuhan coronavirus can be transmitted up to 27, 25, 30 feet. Six feet. It's a joke. All of these so-called mitigation efforts at the Wuhan coronavirus are a joke. Mankind cannot stop the spread of a virus. But the Constitution... The First Amendment, and a mask is a muzzle. And this is what bothers me most of all about wearing a mask. It muzzles. It's that, that lady at the grocery store, the checker, right? I'm trying to communicate with her. And it's muzzling her free speech. It's also symbolic, hugely symbolic. I just know that one day we're going to look back at this period of time, I hope, and the historians are just going to shake their head, scratch their head, and say, what in the world were these people thinking not only is this useless but look what it was doing making all these people capitulate especially these blue state governors it's unbelievable reason number four i put on this facebook uh, response to a post to my friend uh, has to do with california because but it, it pertains to everybody uh, he this person lives in california the fourth reason against wearing a mask is on June 18th, the dictator in Sacramento, that would be the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, issued a statewide order based on no law, not based on the Constitution of California nor the United States. He issued a statewide order that everybody has to wear a mask. This was June 18, right? And so you look at the number of cases of the Wuhan coronavirus in California. Cumulative cases in California at this moment in time is about 430,000. Now, this is a state of 35, 33, 35 million cases, uh, uh, people. Um, and, and if you look at the cases, um, there, the stay-at-home order was in March and then the easing of the order was in at the end of May. And then the um, order for everybody to wear a mask all the time, 24-7, whatever, was in mid-June. The cases spiked since mid-June. The cases have spiked since mid-June, since the governor's order. And the number of deaths has spiked, too. Again, you've got to look at the California deaths with a pound of salt because these people are coming over from Mexico. They're flooding the hospitals. They're spiking the number of cases. It doesn't mean that the disease is not being spread California to California. It is. Uh, but the, 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 the numbers are corrupt, not only because of the record-keeping corruption, but because of these foreigners coming in to California and spiking the cases. So you look at the new cases by day, not just the aggregate number by day, and you trace back to June 18th, and they're spiking. So Governor, uh, you know, he holds these new uh, these uh, noon um, briefings daily, and he gets these softball questions from the mainstream media. I would just love to be in there. They would never let me in, but I would just love to be in there. Say, excuse me, Governor, Governor. 
Uh, Graham Ledger, the, the Ledger Report, I'd like to ask you this question. You issued on June 18th an order for everybody in California to wear a mask. Since June 18th, looking at the graph, Governor, the number of cases is spiking. How do you explain, Governor? Well, I know his little rat answer. I know his Marxist socialist answer. I know what it's going to be. And that would be, well, this is evidence. And he, he's got these weird quirks. I, I don't know if you've seen any of these news conferences. He's got these weird, weird quirks where he kind of stands up on his, on his tippy toes. And he, 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 uses, he butchers the English language and he creates new words that now, unfortunately, people are repeating across the country. Um, but his lexicon is bizarre, bizarre. But he would say, well, this is a function of not enough people listening to me. And see, you know, Marxist socialists, Marxist leaders hate it when people don't listen to you. They hate it when you don't follow their edicts. And the governor, damn it, has said, everybody must wear a mask no matter what. And you know what? Most Californians are, without a doubt. They're scared to death of this guy, especially restaurants, you know. They want to open bars. They're closed. Gyms. They're all shut down. They're scared to death, this guy, that they'll never be able to reopen. And they may not be able to reopen because financially they're ruined. But if there ever is a shot to reopen, they're at the mercy of these local health departments, which is under the iron fist of the governor of California. He will shut you down. But governor... So why why June eighteenth and uh, it's, it's August and there's there's spiking? Well, his answer would be because there are too many people not following my orders. <laughs> See, he's in a win-win, right? He's in a win-win. You issue a mask order, mandatory mask order. The cases are eventually going to go down, and he can say, "Ah, see, it worked." In the meantime, well, we need more participation until that. No. The Wuhan coronavirus is simply working its way through our society, working its way through California. And California's, California's open-door policy in the southern border is exacerbating the numbers right now. But at some point, at some point, like in New York City, there is now herd immunity. You're talking somewhere in the last I checked, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50-60% have antibodies in New York. That's why New York is safer from the Wuhan coronavirus. Now, it has nothing to do with Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo exacerbated it, and so did Bill de Blasio. And the, the virus spread through the subway across the city, and some people died, most people recovered, vast majority of people recovered, and now they've developed herd immunity. So California's mask edict is worthless, this is reason number four, if you happen to live in California anywhere. These are the four main reasons I have for not wearing a mask. And you see this rioting going on in Portland. And yeah, a lot of those people are wearing masks because they don't want to be identified. They're, they're rioting and they're wearing masks, not because they want to mitigate the spread, it's because they're destroying private and public property and they don't want to be caught. And you see all these videos on social media. Hey, don't show my face. Don't show my face. I'm, I'm, I'm spray painting the side of the 
walls of the courthouse. Uh, yet the governor of New Jersey follows through and blesses an arrest warrant on contempt charges for the owners of a gym. This remember this New Jersey gym that try in 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 Belmar, I believe is how you pronounce it. It's a suburb, actually, of, I believe, Philadelphia. Um, they're trying to stay open. And they're trying to, to help people stay healthy as they fight the Wuhan coronavirus and any other kind of ailment you might have. Well, they were arrested. This article out of the Washington Times, the owners of a New Jersey gym that has repeatedly defied Governor Phil Murphy's executive order to remain closed during the COVID-19 pandemic, were arrested Monday on contempt charges. Ian Smith and Frank Trombetti were also charged with obstruction and violating the Disaster Control Act. Unbelievable. It's a suburb of of Philadelphia. The two were processed at police headquarters and released on Monday. They and their attorney could not be reached for comment. This is unbelievable. You have what's going on in Portland and other cities, Los Angeles, other major left-wing blue cities in, in often blue states. You have all this rioting and demonstrations day after day after day after day. People not wearing masks. Not everybody's wearing a mask in those things. And they're certainly not social distancing. Then you have this gym owner. There's a couple gym owners that are trying to stay healthy. And they're arrested. It's a shame what's going on in this country. It is defining really the difference between red and blue states and, 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 and red and blue cities, for that matter. It's one of the reasons why this is the COVID election. And the president of the United States needs to treat it this way. Forget about Dr. Fauci. Forget about Dr. Fauci and, and, and throwing out the first pitch. Can you hear this? Roll tape. Dr. Fauci. So Fauci goes to the mound here. He's got a mask on, winds up and throws, and he throws it down the first baseline. <laughs> Dr. Anthony Fauci. He throws like Barack Obama. <laughs> and, of course, we later find out he's sitting in the stands without a mask on. Do as I say, not as I do. See, Fauci would fit very well in California in the uh, leadership there. The president of the United States needs to forget everything else and focus on the Wuhan coronavirus. It's my opinion that the president of the United States, not only forget about Fauci, forget about Fauci, he needs to do these coronavirus updates in a certain way, in a certain manner. I'll talk about this more in the future in what manner the President of the United States needs to do this. But he should embrace it. We got less than 100 days to go. You got Joe Biden hiding in his bunker. We'll have some debates. Embrace the Wuhan coronavirus. Handle it slightly differently, Mr. President. And that leads me to the Ledger Register question. If you go to GrahamLedger.com, GrahamLedger.com, in the upper right column is the Ledger Register. It's this question. Should President Trump hold nightly fireside chats with America now through November concerning COVID-19? 
This is kind of a leading question, they would say, in court. And it is leading. It, it goes to what I think the president should be doing, and that is holding fireside chats. There's a certain way, a certain method of doing this, and I highly, highly recommend that the president of the United States embraces the fact that whether we like it or not, whether we consider it legitimate or not, this election, the election of 2020, is the COVID-19 election, and like it or not, damn it, you're going to have to treat it that way. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way to the Archives Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger, and remember, even when I'm wrong... 